Hey, I'm Alan, and I'm here with Trent, and we are so glad to be with you today on the Enduring Churches podcast. We're here to help you and your church endure. You know, one of the things that you find out in endurance uh, uh, events or, you know, in coaching people, that there are certain things that are beyond your control, and you have no control over the things you can't control. You know, I would tell kids uh, before a race, race, we don't get to control the wind or the weather. But we do control how how we respond to that. And I was thinking about different things in ministry, Trent, about um, the w- things that we cannot control. And I think there's some things we try to control that we can't. And so today we want to talk about some of those things. I think this will be a great topic for us to talk through, Alan, because honestly, at the heart of all of us, we're, we're a control freak uh, to some extent. All of us are, and, and some of us more so than others, um, and some of us stress more about it than others. But I think, you know, as we talk through this, it's good for us to be reminded, hey, you know, there this is not as big a deal as we're making it out to be. And so perspective on all these, I think, will be super good. So let, let's kind of dive in. The first thing that we have on our list today is that you can't control the speed of change. Man, have we not learned this in the last three or four years? You can't control the speed of change. And so how do we deal with that, Alan? Yeah, you can't control it. You only control your response to it. So let's talk about, first of all, the speed of change. Um, None of us saw COVID coming until it came. Uh, I mean, there's a handful of people out there saying, we warned you about all this. Um, but we don't take that we don't take them very seriously. But we don't get to control how fast society changes around us. Uh, the technological boom that we've experienced, the uh, you know, all those types of things are beyond our ability to control them. But there is a, a responsibility we have within our response to react to the change around us. And I'm, I'm fearful that one of the areas that some of the churches, especially struggling churches, is that their, their idea of how do I respond to the uh, speed of change in my culture is I just don't change. Yeah. And, you know, as you're saying that, I'm thinking that, you know, what are the possible responses to change? And some is just, okay, I'm going to put my feet down and I'm not moving. Um, some people are early adopters, you know, to change. You think about the the new iPhone that came out or something like that. Some people are going to jump on that immediately. Some people are going to wait for a while um, and see how it works out, and then they'll get it. So, and then there are late adopters or never adopters that will say, "No, I'm never going that way." And so, when it comes to all the change in our society and the things that affect our church. Which are you, um, and which is healthy? Uh, you know, which which blesses the people that your church is trying to minister to. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I was having a conversation today with some people who um, were telling me about an experience with a church twenty years ago, and that church was considered cutting edge. That all their worship music was this, was new and exciting, and they were doing something that no one else around them was doing um but they also put placards up all over the place and they marked the territory out by so and so did this area and so and so did this area and today they're still trying to sing the same songs and trying to hold on to the same glory and nothing in that church has changed except the fact that 
there's one twentieth of the amount of people that used to be there. Yeah, and so it makes you question, okay, what is it that caused that? that were they just so enamored with the things that they were doing in that, that they, they wanted to hold on to that? Or was it that they just did not see, you know, what, how things were changing around them? Yeah, you've got to deal with change. I mean, we don't get to control it, but change is going to happen, and we all have to respond um, to ch to change. We can't go on uh, being the same people that we once were. We we have to adapt with the time as well. You know, Trent, um, it, when you're pastoring, one of the frustrations you have too is not only dealing with change, but the sp spiritual maturity of another. But the truth is, is that we can't control the spiritual maturity of another person. Yeah, I think you're right, Alan. And, you know, when you're saying that, I'm thinking expectations. Uh, because we we do, we place expectations on people based on where we are, what we've been through. But not everybody has been through those same growth steps that we have been through. Not everyone has been through the same crises that we have been through to get us to the point we are now. And so, you know, maybe part of that is, is realizing, okay, hey, I'm placing my expectations on them. And the other part, I think, too, is that we, we can control the process to help them to grow. You know, I, I have to realize they take them where they're at. But, hey, it, do I have a way to help them to grow or am I just going to be angry and upset all the time? Yeah, I was at a pastor gathering, and one of the conversations was talking about, you know, how how there's been so much spiritual drifting um, in our churches. A lot of conversations about, you know, the term we used to use, casual Christianity or convenient Christianity, um, all those types of things. And I think one of the things that the discussion never got to it, but what was running around in the back of my mind was, you know, one of the reasons that people don't understand what what faith really is, is because we've never taken them through a process of discipleship. And if they've not been through a process of discipleship, they're probably not going to be able to define what a disciple is. And that is essential. So we can control the process, even though God controls how fast he works in their life and they, they have a response in that with him. It's his job to sanctify. It's his, his job to fulfill the 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 fulfillment of salvation in someone through sanctification, that's up to him and them, but not up to us. But we can certainly provide a process that makes them aware of what it should look like. Well, and we sometimes we forget to think about that, you know, hey, is it they're not going to grow in the same ways that we are, but we at least ought to have some kind of of steps in place for them to, okay, hey, let's move. From here, do you do you understand this concept? Do you understand the theology of this? And if so, then okay, let's move to the next step. And especially when somebody becomes a Christian as an adult, we really forget to do that. We do better with children and youth, but with adults, um, sometimes it's better to let them go hang out and maybe work with the with the children and youth because they get those those simpler concepts. And they begin to learn and then get caught up quickly. And then you can help them move to the next steps. Yeah, that's that's really, really good there. So you can't control the speed of change. You can't control someone else's spiritual matur maturity. You also can't control the movement of God's spirit. 
You know, the Bible tells us this, the spirit moves when and where God desires. We can't fake it. We can't manufacture it. I know many people have tried. Many religious leaders have tried. But there is real and there's not real. Yeah. And I think most people can see through the not real pretty quickly. Uh, you know, some of the words that are used to name the Holy Spirit are, you know, like wind and and fire. And, and so all of those, we shouldn't be surprised when we can't control that, right? I can't control the wind that's blowing outside my house now. I can't control a fire, you know, that's going through the woods, whatever. And so the Holy Spirit, it, it first of all, is God. And so if I can control God, then I'm God and he's not. And so it's important that we keep our place in mind and that he is supposed to be the one that controls us. Uh, but as we help people to understand the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, um, we, we also need to be helping them to grow in prayer, helping them to spend time seeking where God is going and helping to see what it is that God wants us to do. Not, hey, Holy Spirit, come come bless me. I'm going to go do my own thing, but you bless me. Instead, Holy Spirit, where are you working? Where can I join you? Yeah, that's a great thought. That, and, and it's really that preparation in prayer. And I still think that, you know, the old joke that if you really want to clear out a room, call a prayer meeting. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I see today is I think people are are truly seeking authentic prayer and seeking an authentic movement of the Spirit. And that's one of the things that encourages me about what's taking place in our churches today is that there seems to be a return to really that prayerfulness. And I think the prayerfulness does the preparation work of making it possible for God's spirit to move and for God to have the freedom to move in our midst. And so the -hmm. preparation that goes into something is important. It's kind of like thinking about it from a sermon standpoint, Trent. You know, uh, years ago, someone taught me that God's spirit, you know, someone, someone said, well, I'll wait for God's spirit to tell me what to preach. And he does that on Saturday nights or Sunday morning, and someone someone spoke up and said, "You know, God's spirit works on Monday too." And yeah. you know, Amen. I'd much rather go in the pulpit prepared and knowing mm-hmm. that I have done my part, so God can do His part. And I kind of view that that view that in the same way. We don't get to control the movement of God's spirit, but we can control how we prepare um, for that. This point and our next one, I want to go ahead and mention, because I think they go together really well, that that you cannot control the attendance of your people. Um, And it seems like I I was visiting with a pastor just recently who was very frustrated about the number of people that were participating in prayer. And, uh, you know, and that can be frustrating because of what you said, if you want to clear a room or if you want to kill a ministry, call it a prayer meeting, you know. Uh, but think about the great revivals that began in the U.S. in um, years past, and they started with just one or two people or a small group of people that got together and prayed consistently, and they, they were seeking out God. And so don't think you have to have a thousand people at a prayer meeting to be effective. Uh, scripture says where two or more are gathered in my name then I'm there with them. So, hey, hey, get 
get those real prayer warriors, you know, those two or three prayer warriors, and you just get on your knees with them and see what God does. That'll be more effective than having a room full. That's certainly true. And, you know, when we think about the attendance issue, um, I think our first tendency to in ministry is to guilt people. You know, mm-hmm. you're not showing up, so we want to make you feel guilty. And, you know, I'm I'm actually not, I mean, I don't mind playing that card on occasion, but you better not play it very often. You know, I mean, there are times people should feel guilty. You know, if, you're, if your kid doesn't clean their room and, and they threw all their clothes in their closet like I used to do, I should have feel, feel guilty when I get caught, you know. And mm-hmm. so there are times our people should feel guilty, you know, for their sloppy, lazy church attendance. But if you only operate on the guilt side, you're certainly going to run into um, problems with that. It's how we resp- react to the times that they're not there. Do we still love them? Do we still pastor them? Do we share the stories of what God is doing? I don't know how many times when I started taking a new approach and just telling people, well, man, we missed you. Here's what God did last Sunday. And they'd go, man, I should have been there. Yeah. I didn't tell them that. They told me that. I should have been there. You know, and that, that's a whole lot better than me going up to them and saying, you should have been there. So yeah. I think it's really about how we react um, to this challenge today. Do we make it a place that they want to come back to? Yeah. And you said earlier that we can't play that that guilt card very often. Um, I've seen that guilt doesn't last either. You know, you can get an immediate response, but it won't last very long, too. And so, yeah, I, I love that you said about how we pastor them, because if if all we do is gripe, people don't want to be around that. They're not going to come back, you know. But if we show the kind of love that God gave to us when we're a hot mess, then we're supposed to be showing that because we don't know the stories, what all is going on in the lives of our folks on Sundays and the week leading up to that. So we should love them with the love that Christ showed to us and, and just say, hey, no matter what, you know, he, the, the lady that was caught in adultery, just think about this picture, Alan, the woman who was caught in adultery and thrown naked in front of Jesus, you know, he could have, he could have lambasted her. He could have called for her to be stoned, but instead he showed her love. And that's the, that's our folks. They're, they're just, you know, been beat up by the world and we need to show them love and instead of complaining because our our ego wasn't stroked because we had enough people in the in the room instead we're 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 called to be ministers so be careful how you react because you don't have any control you know you can you can put all the requirements or you you have want to put in you can do all those things but people are still going to do what people want to do so you don't get to control that here's the last the last one we have on our list trent is you cannot control the giving in your church yeah, but don't we want to, <laughs> you know, I, I talk about an area that I would love to have control over. Again, I, I think all these lead up to this is if we're putting in place that that um, process to grow our folks in discipleship so that they understand what giving and tithing means, then then that's going to build. If we If we are spending time in preparation and prayer, then the Holy Spirit's going to move in the lives of folks and and God's going to provide. So I think that that's the big thing is the stewardship and, and showing ourselves to be true and faithful and honest with what is given. Um, I think that's a big part of, of helping make 
stewardship and giving in our church uh, uh, more likely to happen. Yeah, we can't control how people give to our church, but we certainly can control our own stewardship within the church. You know, if we are if we are irresponsible with what we've been blessed with, why should people want to contribute? Why should people want to join us um, in the vision? If we can't communicate where where our our dollars go go, um, that's a problem. You know, I more and more people are taking a look. I hear people talking about their church budget in mm-hmm. reference to how much money is going into ministries. And most people recognize, hey, we got to pay our pastor. We got to pay our utilities. I get it. But are we growing that pot that actually goes into ministry? And I think people are looking for that. And they want to see that a, a good representation of those monies are going into in directly into different ministries that your church does. And that's a stewardship issue. Are you able to show that and, re- and reveal that? You know, one, it was always important for me, you know, if I was going to ask people to be generous, that our church be generous. And so we gave to mission causes. We, When I first took my church in Colorado, we were giving about 6 or 7% in mission causes. And we were, you know, we were up um, 11 to 12% when I left. And, and that's important that we were giving back to people. Um, we would give back on mission trips. So we tried to give back to our church when we could give back, whether it's through resources, through its um, helping them be on mission, but we wanted to learn to give back. That was good stewardship, and so stewardship matters. Absolutely, it does. You know, it makes me think of one of those mentors in my life. Years ago, when I was first kind of getting into ministry, he shared with me that that folks won't get excited about statistics. And so, you know, when you're if you want people to get excited about giving in your church, don't give them a spreadsheet with all the how this is the balances and what we've done. Instead, share with them the stories of lives that have been changed. Or even better, get people to share their testimony because, or, you know, maybe their children were involved in the children's ministry of your church. And so get that parent to share a story about how their kids' lives have been changed or how their lives changed when they received Christ as their Savior. That's what gets people excited and they want to give and, and, Make things happen some more. Yeah, that's exciting stuff. So, again, you don't control the giving in your church, only the stewardship of what you receive. And so, you know, we've given you we've given you several different areas, five different areas today. Uh, you cannot control the speed of change. You cannot control the spiritual maturity of another. You cannot control the movement of God's spirit. You cannot control the attendance of your people. You cannot control the giving in your church. And with all of these, there's a portion that we do have control over, which is our response, our reaction, our interaction with these with these things. And so while there is a lot that goes on in life that we just have, cannot control, there are these other item areas where we do have control. And so for all of you who are out there that are a little bit of a control freak, think about what you can control. Isn't that what we say? Control what you can control. So take in charge of the things you can and leave the other things in trusting in God's hands. And this all comes down to a choice, right? Um, choosing those things that you get upset about or frustrated with or choosing to take those things that you can do and looking for the positive in them. And speaking of choices, I really want to say thank you for choosing to listen to our podcast today. I hope that it causes you to think 
I hope that it causes you to um, maybe reassess the things that you do and the things that you get frustrated with. But we want to do everything we can to cause you to be blessed and to be able to endure and be successful in the ministry that God has placed you in. So thank you, thank you for choosing to listen to our podcast today. We hope that you'll share it with someone else and then tune in next week for another discussion that will help you to endure.